So can you activate this in three minutes? Let's see. And also then you can put it into chat. If you've got less saliva in the mouth, more saliva in the mouth, or the same. So that's the key. Check in on the saliva in the mouth. When your body is ready for the digestion of food, your body produces more saliva to help with the breakdown of the food. Make sense? Yeah. Can we produce more? So can we activate that digest response? Take a very soft and slow, gentle breath in through your nose, almost as if you were hardly breathing at all. And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. And a very, very soft and slow, gentle breath in. And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. So as you're breathing in, not to take the full amount of the breath, only think about th three quarters of the breath, maybe about 70% of the breath, 70% of the breath in, really soft and slow. There's no breath holding with this one. And then you're having a really relaxed and a slow and gentle breath out. So with this exercise here, you continue to breathe, but you breathe less air. So I would like you to continue to breathe and to breathe less air to the point of air hunger. Taking a really soft and a slow and a gentle breath in and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. And a very, very soft, slow, gentle breath in and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. Softening the breath, quieting the breath, calming the breath. So I would like you to feel air hunger. I would like you to feel that you're not getting enough air. I would like you to feel that you would like to take in a deeper breath. So what happens when you breathe less air? What happens when you really slow down the speed of the air that's coming into the nose? And then you're having a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. Your body is telling the brain that everything is okay. Your brain then is sending signals of calm to the body. So can we self-regulate our states, not by breathing the full big breaths, and I will talk about that in a moment. Where did it come out of? Who gave that idea? You know, what's it about? What's it about? Breathe, take a deep breath, take a full breath, bring more air into your lungs. What does that do? Reduces oxygen delivery to the tissues. The harder you breathe, the more air you breathe into your body, the more your blood vessels constrict. You know this. Because there have been times in the past that you felt... I'm stressed. I'm going to take a few deep breaths for myself and you feel lightheaded. So the more air you breathe, the harder and faster you breathe, your blood vessels constrict. We're doing the opposite. Take a really soft and slow, gentle breath in. Can you breathe in almost so slow, so soft, so soft breath in and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out? Can you breathe this way to the point that you feel that you're not getting enough air? And the feeling that you're not getting enough air is telling you that carbon dioxide is increased in the blood because carbon dioxide is the primary stimulus to breathe. And as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, your blood vessels dilate. Okay, take a rest. Take a rest. How many of you felt air hunger if you put it into the chat? So did you feel air hunger? If you feel air hunger, you're on the right track. And then if you felt the air hunger, a little air hunger, I would like you to feel a tolerable air hunger would be wonderful. How do you achieve a tolerable air hunger? Really soften and slow down the speed of your breathing 
so that your breathing is less now than what it was before you started. Me wanted to immediately breathe in again. So you don't want to have too much of air hunger either. So this is a little bit like Goldilocks and the three bears with the porridge. Not too cold, not too hot, but just relaxed, just relaxed. So it takes a bit of practice. So if you do it with relaxation, it's better. You know, think about when you go into relaxation, what happens? Everything slows down. Well, we're deliberately slowing down everything to induce that relaxation response. Do any of you feel any change in the saliva in the mouth? You have less saliva, you have more saliva. Is it the same? Not necessarily to uh, put in a hold, um, Judy. So even as you breed, if you've done myofunctional therapy exercises, it fits lovely with this, by the way. So you understand already about breathing and sleep, correct tongue resting posture, functioning of the tongue. So the two go hand in hand. And we work quite a bit with myofunctional therapy with Mark Muller and Joy Muller, Samantha Muller. So going to take a rest for about a minute from this exercise and then we start off again. And think about what's this exercise doing. This activates the rest and digest response. This improves your blood circulation. People with poor breathing are more prone to cold hands and cold feet. Always remember that. You know, do you have cold hands and cold feet? People with poor breathing are more prone to brain fog. People with poor breathing, people with exhaustion syndrome, are more prone to poor breathing. So you think of all of the people who are hitting 40 years of age and they're in corporations and the corporations is all about targets and driving them. And uh, hyperventilation and exhaustion syndrome. It's very easy to go into exhaustion syndrome. So chronic stress is one of the most common diagnoses in Sweden, most commonly in the form of exhaustion syndrome. And the majority of this syndrome also have disturbed breathing, hyperventilate. They breathe a little bit too fast and too hard. And the aim of this study was to investigate the association between hyperventilation and exhaustion syndrome. So they found that the patients reported significantly higher levels of hyperventilation, the people with exhaustion syndrome. So they were taught a way to help with their hyperventilation. And there, it led to significant reductions in exhaustion scores and scores of depression and anxiety. So your breathing. Think about the connection between the breathing and the mind and our sleep. We can't isolate one from the other. For me, breathing is the big one because we have some degree of control over it. Once we know what we're doing, if we think that it's good to be hyperventilating, that there's more oxygen driving, going around the body and being delivered, think again. Hyperventilation, it's a stressor. But for some people, we don't want to be stressing them. And nor do we want to be stressing people too much. There's a time when a good stress becomes a bad stress. So what I would say to you is don't start off with the stressor exercises. Start activating the rest and digest response. You have these tools for the rest of your life. We've done breathe light, and then we're going to breathe slow and then breathe low. Um, so moving on to that. So the connection between our breathing and the mind. If your breathing is a little bit faster and harder and upper chest, that's going to cause agitation of the mind. But if your mind is stressed, 
you're thinking a lot and you're worrying and you're anxious, that's going to impact your breathing because it's going to make your breathing harder and faster. So you see there's a two-way communication here. But what about your sleep? If your mind is active and you can't switch off and you have overstimulation of the mind, all of those thoughts going into the mind, so many tasks to do, somebody did something, there's a problem out there, thinking about thinking, 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 can't fall asleep. Problem. Insomnia, overstimulation of the mind. And never before, of course, have we had as much information. And so much of it is absolutely useless. But that's another story. So the sleep, if you have really poor quality sleep, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Agitated mind. So poor breathing affects the mind. Uh, agitated mind affects breathing. Agitated mind affects sleep. Poor sleep quality affects the mind. Breathing affects your sleep. How you breathe during the day is going to influence your sleep quality. And your sleep quality is going to influence your breathing. So we can't look at breathing and the mind and sleep in isolation. And when we want to talk about breathing, we want to be targeting the breathing from a biochemical point of view. Improve blood flow, oxygen delivery. Target the diaphragm. Breathe, how to breathe during sleep, during rest, during exercise. So let's go again now with um, our light breathing. So I would like you to, so you see, I'm just looking at if some of you had any change in more saliva. What about the overall feeling of coldness in the body? I'm just wondering, Judy, is that when you're doing the exercise? I wear tape on my mouth at night. Wow. Great. So we've been taping for 21, 25 years, actually. Um, I've been having much problems with cold feet. I also have been disturbed breathing. Need tape most of the time to remember breathe with nose. And I'll show you a tape that we use pretty much all the time feeling cold. See if you can feel warmer. Just see, you know. Are you able to improve the circulation in your hands? How about doing it this way? Put your finger underneath your nose as follows. Take a very soft, slow, gentle breath in through your nose. And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out through your nose. So as you're breathing out from your nose to your finger, can you slow the speed of air onto your finger? Can you take a really soft and slow, gentle breath in through your nose? And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. That you're breathing so softly onto your finger that if your finger was a feather, the feather wouldn't move. You're taking a really soft and slow, gentle breath coming into your nose and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. If your finger is a feather, can you breathe so lightly onto your finger so that the feather doesn't move? Really soft and slow, gentle breath in and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. And a very, very soft and slow, gentle breath in and a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. You're softening your breathing. You're slowing down your breathing. And I need you to get that air hunger. And the other thing about air hunger is your mind is going to be anchored onto the breath. So there's less tendency for the mind to wander. And if you can hold your attention on your breathing, you're training the brain then to be focused. We can access flow states more readily. And I'll talk about flow in a second. Because I think flow is very important for business. 
I think flow is very important for every walk of life, even giving our simple talk here. I want to put the critical mind aside. I want the talk to come out. And by putting the critical mind aside and by shifting attention in my mind, I can more readily access flow states where my attention is moving simultaneously with time. But let's continue with this. You have your finger underneath your nose. You're taking a really soft and slow, gentle breath in through your nose. And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. Air hunger is a sensation that you're not getting enough air. So air hunger is a sensation that you would like to take in more air. Air hunger is telling you that carbon dioxide is increased in the blood. How do you increase carbon dioxide in the blood? Breathe about 30% less air into your body. So what happens when you underbreathe? Just as people go on a diet, they go on a food diet, they undereat for a period of time. It's good for the body. Underbreathing for a period of time is also good for the body. So you don't need to be doing this all the time. Not that you would be, but this is under breathing for a period of time to cause the body to make adaptations that your breathing is becoming lighter then. And that has benefits in exercise and benefits in sleep, but also in benef benefits in terms of your state of calm, your state of mind. So we are under breathing here. Instead of taking the normal breath in through your nose, you're taking a very soft breath in through your nose. And then you're having a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out, prolonging and a gentle, slow, relaxed exhalation. And then a very soft and slow, gentle breath in. And a relaxed and a slow and a gentle breath out. So I would like you to continue under breathing to the point that you have air hunger. Can you breathe in a way that you feel that you're not getting enough air? Not to feel stressed. If you feel stressed, take a rest. If the air hunger is too much, you take a rest. Okay, take a rest from that, everybody. How many of you feel air hunger? Do you understand what we're looking to achieve here? I need you to feel that you're not getting enough air. I need you to feel that you would like to take in a deeper breath. So what does it mean? It means that carbon dioxide is increased in the blood. And as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, what's it doing to blood flow to the brain? Well, all you have to do is put into Google carbon dioxide vasodilator. So vasodilator or vasoconstrictor. But if you put in vasodilator, you will see the responses to carbon dioxide in humans. So this is published in the Journal of Physiology. I just put it into Google there. So it's in PubMed. I'm scrolling down because I've seen this one anyway. So within the autoregulatory range, the, the effect of CO2 during rest is currently estimated that there is a 2 to 3% decrease in blood flow in the brain per one millimeter decrease in the arterial partial pressure of carbon dioxide. So in other words, when there's a decrease of carbon dioxide in the blood, there's a decrease of blood flow in the brain, blood supply to the brain. By contrast, blood flow to the brain increases by three to 4% per millimeter increase of carbon dioxide of arterial CO2. When you did the breathe light exercise, I would expect it to increase your CO2 by about two to 3%. And this is going to increase blood flow to the brain by six to 8%. So you can improve blood flow to the brain by six to 8% by breathing a little bit less air to the point of air hunger. 
a little bit less air to the point of air hunger. Now, the more you practice gently doing this, especially this is your down regulation. So I'm not sure how many of you got it though, because I don't see too many comments. Um, but in terms of, did you have air hunger? Do you feel more alert? Do you feel more sleepy? You might feel a bit more sleepy now because it's activating the digest response. Sorry, it's activating the rest response. So remember, we were talking about breathing and your ability to self-regulate. And it comes back to, we said, if you want to activate the stress response, you could hyperventilate or you could do physical exercise. Better to do it with your mouth closed or you could do a long breath hold. They're stressors. But to activate the rest and digest response, breathe light, breathe slow, and breathe low. So now what I'm going to do is we're going to breathe slow. And I always find this is quite interesting. And many of our ancestors would, would have been um, breathing slow because, for example, if you say a yoga mantra, it slows down your breathing. And you'll find it in, in quite a few religions, you know, in, in terms of faith, that the prayers that people say, it helps them to slow down their breathing. So they did a study here. This is the effect of the rosary prayer. So what happens if you said the rosary? Because it's a prayer from the Catholic faith or yoga mantras on your breathing, on the autonomic cardiovascular rhythm. So autonomic is automatic. Normally, you don't have any control or influence, but with breathing, you do. So they looked at when people were saying a prayer or when they were doing their mantra, that it slowed down the respiratory rate to six breaths per minute. Six breaths per minute is the ideal respiratory rate to practice. And this helps to bring the autonomic nervous system into balance. Now, not all of you, you may, you may not be all able to slow down your breathing to six breaths per minute. But in terms of heart rate variability, which is an objective measure of vagal tone, you can influence that by slowing down your breathing. The name of the app again is Oxygen Advantage. So what I would like you to do is to have one hand on your chest and one hand just above your navel. So you just have one hand on your chest, one hand just above your navel. You're tuning into your breathing. And I would like you to breathe in for four seconds in and six seconds out. Silent breaths through the nose. Remember, what's the mouth for? Eating, drinking, speaking. What's your nose for? Smelling, breathing. And 32 other functions. And if you're wondering, well, where, how on earth does the nose have 32 other functions? I put together a document um, because I was wondering. I knew there was quite a few of them. There was an ENT from the United States back in the 1970s called Dr. Um, Morris Cottle, C-O-T-T-L-E. And he said that the human nose is responsible for 30 functions in the human body. And then I was wondering, well, what exactly are those functions? So a few weeks ago, I started to put a list of them together to collect. And uh, the thing about breathing is it's very important to bring the science to breathing. No, a lot of people talk about breathing and they don't talk about the science. They talk a lot of, some of them, I was going to say a lot of nonsense, but yeah, they say breathing, this, breathing, that. Let's think about breathing from the science point of view. What's it really doing? You know, so I won't go through this, of course, but improve visual awareness. The effect of breathing through the nose on our behavior. You now, when you're going into the supermarket, 
and uh, the supermarket is pumping out this scent smell. The, the reason that they're pumping it out is to get you to spend more money. So the smells that we smell influence our behavior. Vocal effort. Your nose protects the vocal cords. Your voice is less breathy, less mucus, less narrowing of the airways. Relaxation when you breathe out through your nose. If you breathe it out through your mouth, fast. Breathe out through your nose, slow. Slow exhalation, relaxation. So this, I think, is interesting. The smell and partner choice. So if we have very similar genetic makeup, we could be related and in breathing would increase the risk of unfavorable genes passed down from one generation to the other. So in relation to its influence and partner selection, scientists discovered that the signals are picked up via smell. So otherwise referred to as olfaction. The influence of body over odor in mate selection was confirmed in experiments back in the 1970s and more recent experiments. This is a 2000 paper. Findings show that women prefer the odor of men who are dissimilar to themselves. So they did the study on women. They had them smell t-shirts of men and the women chose men who were dissimilar to themselves. So it could be in terms of reducing the risk of in-breathing. Improved recruitment of the diaphragm, nose breathing, increases oxygen uptake in the blood, improves oxygenation during sleep. You have deeper quality sleep breathing through your nose. 50% of you here, 50 of you, wake up at a dry mouth in the morning. You're not likely to wake up feeling refreshed. The sound of your voice is influenced by nasal breathing. Cognitive function. If your nose is stuffy, it impacts your cognitive function. There's a few studies on this. So this study here, they looked at 100 people. 50 of them had stuffy noses. And the people with nasal congestion were found to have significantly more cognitive dysfunction and fatigue. So cognitive function. I think that's very important. Think about the kids in school with their stuffy noses. Smelling, tasting, production of nitric oxide, improved blood flow in the lungs, defense against inhaled pathogens, chemical activation, inactivation of the pathogens, maintaining elasticity of the lungs, important in the control of asthma. How many people with asthma breathe through their nose? Redistribution of blood throughout the lungs. We'd say that one. Improve, important in the control of allergic rhinitis. Warming. Warms the incoming air. Humidifies the incoming air, but it conserves water. The nose, by breathing out through it, traps moisture and heat from the exhale breath. Nasal dilation. The more you breathe through your nose, the better it opens up for you. Breathing through the nose helps to decongest the nose. And also during physical exercise, breathe through your nose, helps to prevent exercise-induced asthma. Better utilization of oxygen during exercise, better recovery. Reduce ventilation. You're less likely to gas out too soon and the development of the face. So that's the nose. So I think in terms of cognition, I'm just going to put that paper into PubMed, um, the cognitive function. So this was a 2015 paper I put into chat. You know, could breathing through your nose make you smarter? Well, of course, but you have to have your mouth closed during sleep. So patients with chronic rhinosinusitis, stuffy nose, report significantly more cognitive dysfunction and fatigue. I was a mouth breather, stuffy nose all the time, and it wreaked havoc 
on my academic ability. Cognitive dysfunction associated with pain and quality of life and chronic rhinosinusitis. Would you think that chronic dysfun cognitive dysfunction? I'm sorry, that's slightly different here. But uh, yeah, pain is influenced as well by our breathing. And I'm just going to put that into. So you have that paper there we were talking about. Okay. So the next exercise. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is what do you do if you're feeling stressed? Okay. Something is happening. Somebody is giving out. So we'll say that somebody is, there's somebody is over here and they're giving out to me and I'm looking at them and their mouth is opening and closing and there's some noise coming out of their mouths. But I don't want to surrender all of my attention to the person. I, I'm going to listen to them. It's not that I'm going to hide away. I'm seeing it. I hear the noise coming out of their mouth. The mouth is open, but I bring my attention inwards onto my breath. There's nothing woo-woo about this because it's very important to be able to bring your attention inwards because you have a sense of calm there. And not just about bringing your attention inwards. How do you tell the brain that the body is safe? Focus on slowing down the speed of the exhalation. And even 30 seconds of it. So the guy is here giving out. I'm listening. I have my attention on the inhalation. And I'm having a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle exhalation. And that really soft and slow, gentle exhalation, my body is telling the brain, it's okay. It's okay. As opposed to somebody that's giving out and I'm going into a state of hyperventilation. And now there's reduced blood flow going to my brain. The brain now is all over the place. I can't think straight. And that's why special forces do these exercises. I work with people. So, for example, I work with snipers. I train these are elite military. They're actually police, police in a European, um, a European police department. And I've been brought out, brought in to teach them how to self-regulate. So I showed them how to upregulate if they need to, but also how to downregulate. And why is it very important, even say for police officers, that they have the tools to self-regulate? It's because if police officers are too stressed, they make mistakes. And if they make mistakes, they're more likely to use lethal force. So stress is not good in the police. So if you, if you feel like, say, for example, um, our police forces have too much going on, they're feeling too stressed, it's not good. These guys and girls, women, need to be taught how to self-regulate. So whenever there's a bit of stress, you can have an immediate, bring your attention onto the breath, soft breath in, and a really slow and gentle exhalation. And if you can prolong that exhalation, you can't get into a Zoom meeting. There's an example. You know, you want to get into your website, you can't log in. Soft breath in, and a really slow, gentle exhalation. And use that information to tell the brain that everything is okay. Okay, so how about sleep? The email, yeah, it's normal. If you download the app, it does ask for an email address. It's not to charge you or anything. It's just to give you a daily plan. So the daily plan is specific for you. The email, the app is, is tailored. Um, so how about somebody with obstructive sleep apnea? Does mouth breathing make things worse? And if somebody has obstructive sleep apnea, could it increase the risk of depression? 
So this is a paper published by the Laringer Skull from the American Lar Laryngological Rhinological Society. They looked at 95 individuals from 2017 to 2019, and they had established sleep apnea, and patients with mouth breathing were associated with increased obstructive sleep apnea. So if you have your mouth open, it doesn't have sleep. So how do we get the mouth closed? Healthy subjects preferentially breathe almost exclusively via the nasal route with the purpose of heating air, conditioning, and cleaning the inspired air. Nasal breathing is essential in maintaining normal craniofacial growth. We spoke about this with children. We said if the child has the mouth open, they're more likely to have crooked teeth. Dental occlusion, due to its interaction with mastication, chewing and swallowing. On the other hand, mouth breathing can result in craniofacial maldevelopment and dental malocclusion, which is crooked teeth. So you think of all of the children in the United States and in the Western world and in Europe here, is it 75%? Is it 60%? It's pretty high anyway. They've got overcrowding of teeth. They've got crooked teeth. So they can also experience longer facial structures. And uh, older people are more likely to breathe through an open mouth during sleep as well. So children and older people. I was a mouth breather waking up with a dry mouth in the morning. And I would be shattered. And then you're going into school. So 95 individuals. And of them, 11 of them had their mouth open all the time, but 49 of them switched from mouth to nose breathing. So 60 out of the 95 either had their mouth open all of the time or partially, partial amount of the time. But the people with their mouth open, their blood oxygen saturation dropped severely and their sleep apnea was more severe. So getting the mouth closed during sleep is really, really important. Now, there's a few options for you. What we traditionally used was 3M one-inch micropore tape. So I'm going to give you a few different options. 3M one-inch micropore tape. And there's another option, simply breed. Simply breed. And there's another option, which is my own option is called myotape and i'll just do a demonstration so you have three options anyway and um, this one here 3m one inch micropore tape is the cheapest i think it's about three dollars maybe simple simply breathe i think it's about 25 dollars for one month or thereabouts i'm not sure and myotape is 25 dollars for three months or 90 strips so the reason that I brought out myotape was for children, but also for adults with anxiety. So basically the myotape is as follows. So it is my own product. So I'm going to make full disclosure. And um, the only reason that we brought it out was because how could we teach children to breathe through their noses? And all of the exercise for children are free as well. So you'll find them. So this is the tape here. There's 90 strips in it. And this is a bit different to the tape that you would normally see. So you get the tape, you have to dry your lips. It actually works with a beard as well. There's one for beards. 40% um, of men now wear beards, so it's fashion. Stretch the tape about 30%. Press against your lips. You have to stretch it first. See, it's elasticated cotton. And now it's pulling my lips together. So I, this will keep my mouth closed during sleep. No risk. 
and also with children during the day when the children are on the iPhone and if they have them at home, we use the tape because they're on their iPhone, their mom's iPhone or dad's iPhone. They have them at home, but the tape tells them to breathe through the nose because they can feel it. They can feel the elastic tension of the tape pulling the lips together. So that's the tape. And uh, you'll find that. I just put the link into the chat. It's called myotape.com. Myotape.com. Um, I think you might get a discount if you put in Myo10, but don't hold me to that. So if it looks for a promo code, Myo10, you should get a 10% discount. But I, I'm not totally because I didn't prepare anything. So coming full circle, breathing through the nose during rest, breathing through the nose during sleep. Let's even just look at snoring for a moment. Okay, there's two kind of main forms of snoring. Just snoring through the mouth and it goes like this. So that's snoring through your mouth. I would like you to make the sound of a snore through your mouth. So again, it goes like this. Now I would like you to close your mouth and try and snore with your mouth closed. Try and snore through your mouth, sorry, with your mouth closed. You can't. Mouth snoring stops once you get your mouth closed. So if your partner is that, then if they stop breathing, which is it's not good, that could be obstructive sleep apnea. But the only way to find out is by doing a sleep study. And the problem with obstructive sleep apnea drives into that increased stress response. And it's not good for many, many diseases are related to poor sleep quality. So getting the mouth closed, I wish they didn't change from beige to blue. Now we've changed back again, Judy. Um, but we went with customer feedback. It was orange. People didn't like that. We went beige. They didn't like the beige. We went blue. Didn't like the blue. So now we're back to beige. So next one is nose snoring. And it goes like this. So now what I would like you to do is to breathe very softly through your nose. Take a soft breath in through your nose and a relaxed and slow, gentle breath out through your nose. And a soft breath in through your nose and a relaxed and slow, gentle breath out through your nose. So as you breathe softly through your nose, can you snore through your nose? And you'll find it's more difficult. So is there a link between how we breathe during the day and how we breathe during sleep? And the answer is yes. And this was the basis on the paper that I wrote with two ear, nose and throat doctors and um, breathing re-education and the phenotypes of obstructive sleep apnea. So I'm just going to pull this up. You'll find this paper anyway in PubMed. So it's published in the peer review journal and you can significantly help your sleep by changing your breathing patterns. And nose breathing is the key. So what is it about? Well, we want to establish full-time nasal breathing during wakefulness and sleep. We want to correct the resting posture of the tongue. We want to be slowing down the respiratory rate, which we're going to do now. We're also using breath holds as a means of establishing chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide and restoring diaphragm function. And if we do that, that will help with sleep apnea. So when we think about breathing, it's not just about breathing from one different dimension. Breathing is multidimensional. Now, we went through a few of them here today. We've, we've already gone through a few of the exercises. So let's now slow down our breathing to six breaths per minute. So I was going to do this, but obviously I got distracted. 
So one hand on your chest, one hand just above your navel. I'm going to have you breathe in for four seconds and out for six seconds. But it should be through the nose and it should be silent. So nose and silent. And if you have your hands either side of your lower ribs. So as you breathe in, you're feeling your ribs move out. And as you breathe out, you're feeling your ribs moving in. So you could do it probably sitting is best, or you could do it standing. It's up to yourself. 